After years of helping online businesses make more money by advising them on their taxes and finances, I've now made it my mission to reach as many profitable online businesses as possible to help them save on their taxes and make more money. On my quest, I bring you proven and real profitable online business owners, and we dig into how they do it. Hello again. Thanks for being here. This is the few, the proud, the profitable. This is where we talk exclusively to six and seven figure online business owners. We know there are a lot of people in this space who exaggerate, who fabricate their success. So what we do here is we only talk to people who are actually making real money online. We're talking to one of those today, Jordan Ellington. Thanks for being here, man. Hello. Hello. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. So what we do here, spend about 15 minutes. Sometimes that runs 30, 45, depending on how we're rolling. Okay. Five questions or so. Cool. So first one is a couple sentences. Just tell us who you are, what you do. Okay. Uh, I am Jordan. The Spanish dude is what I'm known as worldwide. And I teach Spanish online. I make videos on YouTube for free. And then I sell premium courses on my website. So I, I don't do tutoring or one-on-one or anything like that. I just, I make videos. All my courses are videos too. So I basically just make Spanish videos. Yeah. And you've got one of the biggest, if not the biggest at this point channel, don't you? I mean, there are, there are definitely uh, bigger people well, than me still. There are people that have been around for seven, eight, 10 years. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm part of this crew of five to six that it seems yeah. like are the main go-to guys. Yeah. Yeah. And your approach is cool too, because, and we can get into this, but the way that you approach the language to me is very different than most teachers look at it. Right. No, I don't know if you still go by gringo espanol or not. Yeah, that's how I started. I started as gringo espanol and gringo is a word that people use. It's actually used different. If you ask, if you ask different people, you get different definitions of it. But to me, basically anyone who's not a native Spanish speaker, usually the whiter they are, the more gringo they'll be called. But black people, German people, it's some people think it's just an American thing, but it's not. It's really just anyone who doesn't speak. Uh, native Spanish, okay. no matter what country you're from or what color your skin is. And that's how I use it for sure. Okay. And it's just kind of a way to say, you know, like I'm up here teaching Spanish. So obviously I think I'm good enough to teach yeah. Spanish, not just at Spanish, but in life. But I also don't take myself very seriously. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not called the gringo Espanol anymore. Okay. Um, because there was just, you know, gringo, you know, anytime you even say this, a, a skin color or anything like that, that's kind of like a red flag for Facebook and stuff like that. So it was- okay. they, Yeah, they, people turned, take it, even if they shouldn't, I guess some people do take it as a pejorative, so. They do, they do. You know, I can, you can, uh, you, if you, if I call you a jerk, you know, you could take that or whatever, if we're buddies and I call you something worse than that, you can take that as a sweet word I call you or you can get offended. Right. You know, it's, it's your choice. Yeah. Gringo's probably closer to the line, to the line than jerk, but it really is just how you take it. Whatever. I'm not called Gringo Espanol anymore. Right. I throw that word around a little bit here and there because yeah. it's still fun. And you know what? When I another reason why I felt good to name myself that is just over the years, when I'm talking to Spanish speakers, basically, you know, like I, when I refer to myself as a Gringo, jokingly, it they laugh, they giggle, yeah. they like it. It adds to the conversation. It adds to the relationship. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, you know, self-deprecating. Not yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, second question is, what's the best thing about having a profitable online business for you? Not working for the man. Yeah, definitely. I hate the man. Yeah, that's all I ever wanted in life, basically, was just to, uh, I was willing to work hard. I, 
I think I work more than most of my friends do when you go by the hour, sure. but when you, but when you can, let's say I do, let's say I work 50% more hours than somebody else. Um, and that sucks to work 50% hours more than somebody else at the beginning. Sometimes, you know, when you have to hustle and make it and grow, grow a business. Um, I do, I still do it on my terms right. when I want to, like one of my big complaints about school is that like, Oh, you have to wake up at a certain hour and then go six hours in a row, which is the exact opposite of what I do when I have control of my time, when I want to get stuff done. Yeah. You know, it's wake up at a certain hour and then go six hours straight. That's exactly the opposite of what I do. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the way it was when I was in corporate America. That's what would drive me nuts because beyond the fact that you just have this dead time, you're expected to be there even when you're not doing anything, you're not, you're not actually productive. The other thing was that it would be at, at times when I wasn't productive. You've got to show up at seven, eight o'clock, even if totally. that's not when you, when you'd naturally be rolling. Right. And for me here at the office, I don't show up until 10 a.m. pretty much at any day but it's not unusual for us to be working late late into the night sometimes totally. the second wind around midnight i have it in my head forward. that you're kind of a night person and then if i message you at 11 o'clock at night there's I'm a there. chance yeah. you'll, you'll reply yeah yeah but anytime if you 9 a.m there's zero chance right so that's one of the things that's cool with online a lot of people talk about the freedom aspect and not only where your physical location is and how being in control of your own destiny but just that it's not this set schedule like you're saying. Yeah. It's, an, it's a more efficient use of your time, bottom line. It is. Just like, like you were talking about, like you don't have downtime unless it's on, it's on you if you have downtime. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you just work when you have the most energy. I take naps quite often. Yeah. And the, the six hours in a row thing is a huge problem for me. It's just I know when I, I do a lot of writing scripts is what I do for my videos. And I know my brain is just, I, I, I might think I'm doing a good job on the fourth or fifth hour. But when I, when I do take a nap and come back, I'm like, ooh, I was trying to push it past that three hour mark, past good, strong brain work, and it wasn't as good as I thought it was, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't do, aside from this, and this to me is different because it's just having a conversation, but when we would do videos, and it's just me talking, I would notice that, and they weren't long videos, they'd be five minutes, 10 minutes on the long end once they're edited down. Mm -hmm. I was good for about two a day. Yeah. And same thing. When if we would try to push it where we're trying to get a lot of content, by the time the third video was there, I could get through it. I'd be um it wouldn't be like out the You'd get it message. done. You'd get it done. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I would still say the same things, but the energy, the effectiveness, all that just tanked like nobody's totally. business. Totally. I mean, I th they always say that we like, you know, they say we can do stuff for 45 minutes at a time. And I think what they mean when they say that is like really, really sharply focused. Yeah. If you're into something, because it's a new business, it's a new idea, like a new girl, you can go 24 hours, three days in a row, whatever. But like normal, you know, every day, day in and day out, you know, like yeah. 45 minutes focus. And if it's not 45 for you, it's, it's 55 or an hour and 15 or whatever. Sure. But like, that's what they mean. It's 45 at a time. But there's also this like cumulative limit of before you sleep and sleeping can reset it though to a point at least you know just you don't have to wait yeah, that makes sense that, with the naps you know? stepping yeah. away doing something to get totally it's yeah. something i've always felt i've always done naps ever since my my dad makes fun of me because i had this business that i did out of his garage and i had this guy working for me in his garage and he'd come home from work around like four and he would always say like where's jordan and the guy would always say it's nap time you know i'd be up there because i knew i had to work that afternoon or that evening and i wasn't going to do good work if i wasn't nap so it's like i've always believed in nap but now the more i read the more it seems like it really is physiologically what's going on in our mm -hmm. bodies is that you just have a certain amount of focus. Yeah. 
That makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. All right, cool. Question number three, one thing we hear from a lot of online business owners, and this is what a lot of our practice ends up revolving around, is managing cash flow. A lot of people struggle with that. And the way online, the, the pros and the cons of cash flow for online businesses is different than you'd have for traditional ones. So we always ask, how, have you had issues with that? And, and how have you managed that successfully? Right. I'm sensitive to it because I had a physical business before where I had inventory and stuff like that. And that right. was quite tricky. Um, but after you have the business rolling, it's just, I, I say it at the beginning of an information business, I'd say it has more to do with your personal expenses, you yeah. know, uh, basically yeah. because your personal expenses, you can only go certain, once you have the business rolling, let's just say, because until you have the business rolling, you don't have revenue coming in, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I'd say if you're, if you're selling information, it really shouldn't be much of a problem unless there's some angle I'm missing, unless you're going for like huge growth or, you know, investors yeah. and things like that, just normal uh, organic growth. You know, I think the key is to like get a few months for sure saved up and don't go buy fancy cars and stuff like that. I think that's really kind of right. the only trick to it. And like, you can buy stuff, you know, like I love my electronics and I'm doing videos. So I'm always looking for an excuse to buy a new piece of equipment. Yeah. But, um, but like, generally speaking, I don't do jewelry. I don't do furniture. I don't do anything, yeah. you know, fancy like that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, it comes down to budgeting for a lot of people because it, it de again, it depends on which niche you're in. Mm -hmm. If you're in e-commerce, you've got a whole nother thing to deal with. But if yeah. you're in the information side, even product launches are a, de are a good example because when you launch a product, you're going to have some expense of getting that all done. So you've got to eat that on the front end, but then you're, if it goes well, you're going to have this huge chunk of money that comes totally. in. Totally. And, and emails too. It's like, that's the thing is emails too. Like you can just send out an email and if you have Adam is very on me about, yeah. I used to send out all these emails with just messages. It would go to a new video, but he just said, you don't even have to do a discount or anything like that. Just on the PS, every single email, the offer of the week is some course I already have not at a discount. It's just the spotlighted deal of the yeah. week. And I see an uptick every time I send an email even. So it's yeah. like, those are like little launches basically, you know? Yeah, but if you get too used to that, obviously, you know, you, like you're saying, you have stability, but people will get really used to these huge spikes from a launch. Mm. And, you know, let's, I don't know what the frequency is because it varies based on your industry and your business. Let's say that you could successfully do one of those a quarter maybe. Right. That first month they spend like, that's what they're going to have for the next right. two months that they're not going to have that. Yeah. And realistically speaking a lot, like realistic, I don't, and, and I'm just me, you know, like I'm just me and I have a relationship with my, e with my email list or my people, my gringos. Sure. Um, and it's, it is the way it is because I look at it this way. So this isn't the right way or the wrong way, but this is my way. It's like, yeah, even four launches a year, would be like that's every three months you're nailing them with these discounts and stuff like that um yeah i, I for me the less launchy things are the better yeah. um and i've unsubscribed to all those emails so i'm not aware if people are still like big into launches anymore are, are launches still a big thing it, it depends yeah some people do have yeah. pretty i mean launches are awesome i love launches i love no, looking for an excuse for a launch I mean, it, it depends on your model because some people are going more for a membership and subscription-based thing but right Usually for most things, there's still some sort of point of inception. For sure, for sure. Membership, and then you do have 
the if you've got an active engaged list you have this nice little i should probably do more launches i should probably do more launches. what i like is i like people the regular numbers that watch my youtube video every day a certain percentage of them come and buy a course based off my regular thing right and they're like that's that's really what i it adds up it's 365 days a year you know so it's like if you get if you get that going it's every, it doesn't have anything to do with discount. It doesn't have to do with you doing anything. So launches actually, I would say are, are really cool for the revenue, but I feel like most people would agree with this. They suck for the time invested, you know? So if you're investing no time on getting like, so I like doing, this is kind of like, I, I read the question. I like to do a video where it could always lead to a practice worksheet. You know, so like they always come, fill out a thing for a practice worksheet, get on my list, and then I get them that way through. So just this regular repetitive thing. Yeah. So I was like, I don't have launches. Launches are a great thing. I look for an excuse to do launches. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but they take your time and energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's different for, for everybody. But yeah, it's just, um, I think what you're saying, though, especially for online businesses, because a lot of, some people get huge. Some people have massive, even on just if they've got information and pro info product based businesses, sure. some of them are still huge. So they've got a lot of overhead. The majority of people still do keep it pretty lean. So a lot of it goes to what your personal spending is and what those habits are. Yeah. It's like, I, I, and I really think, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. So I wasn't thinking about that aspect. So, so I just haven't done that. So anybody who, but I've been inclined to sometimes and haven't, you know, if you have a huge team working for you, that's obviously a, a different situation. Yeah. But like, I feel like that should only be done when it needed to be. You know? yeah. Well, like any, like any business expense, any, any expenditure, there needs to be a utility that is, if not significantly, but you know, you have to have a, a good margin beyond what it's costing you. Right. I mean, you, and, it, and it's tricky though, because even though I've been doing this for a while, it's like the other night we were talking and I was talking about, I needed somebody local yeah. to help me. And then once you cut, you were, you just, thank you. You actually asked me several questions and kept at it. And you're like, I, you really don't need somebody local. And when you don't need somebody local, it opens your options up and the pay goes down. Usually, you know, the pay, yeah. the, what we have to pay. So the costs. So, um, so it's tricky. So like, even then I, I've kept it small, obviously, you know, but like, I don't have anyone working for me, like on a permanent basis, I have video editor somewhere, video editor somewhere else. But like, even then I was tricking myself that like, so that's the, that's the, that's the thing with expenses is you, your mind tricks you, you know, I deserve the car. I need the car. I deserve the camera. I need the camera. I'll make so much more money if I buy this car or this camera or whatever it is, you know, or this employee, you know, yeah, and then it, it, it always gets, there's a weird tipping point too between keeping it minimal and as you want to scale, then starting to value your, your time more and, and being able to turn either turn stuff down or offload stuff. Totally, totally. There's, it's, it's not a perfect example because this goes more to the revenue side, but there's some interview, probably a couple of years, maybe it's more recent than that. I think it was like a year ago, it was with the Black Keys. And they were talking, I think they're either have started or going to start touring again. Okay. And they were, they were talking about that for years, they were touring some insane amount of nights a year. It's like 300 days a year, they were on the road. And they were doing it, the gigs for 50 bucks or something. So then when they actually started making money, it was really hard for them to turn down any work and scale it down because they were so mm -hmm. used to having so totally. little for so long. Totally. And 
it's kind of the same thing early in the business. You want to keep things so incredibly minimal because you have nothing but time. Mm-hmm. And everything hurt, hurts more, but then the bigger. It, it's yeah, no, totally. The, the situation to put a premium on your time. For sure. For sure. I agree with you hundred percent. And it comes down to the value of your time. And I, that's why I've always argued with like kind of some people at the beginning when you're, when you're, when you don't even have any revenue yet, or you're just really <laughs> bootstrap where people are like, you know, you shouldn't do anything that is below your 5%. And I'm like, okay, that only works when you have no more time. You know, like when you have extra time, your va- your time, that's nice to say your time, the value of your time is nothing when you have more time. Right. You know? Well, and it's also funny too in the online space because, and everyone just exaggerates what they, they do, but they say, I charge $1,000 an hour. That only works if people are actually paying you for it. For sure. I can say sure. I charge a million dollars an hour, but that's only really your hourly rate. That's only really the value of your time. Like you're saying at the point when that's what people are, you have some sure. proof that that's what your time is worth. For sure. But your other point on the other side was right too. I have to go back to that because that's kind of where I'm at right now is, and that's, it's probably a little bit harder because hustle gets you through the first part. And right. then once your time is full, now I'm at the time where it's like, okay, I want to get so much more done, but there's mm-hmm. obviously not, I can't do anymore, you know, and I want to do less right now. Point, like in the early stages of exactly where you need to be because otherwise, your personal spending goes nuts. You hire people when you don't have right. the money for it and you've got enough time that you should be doing it. And then it's just, there's no perfect metric for when it hits, but at a certain points, like, okay, well now, totally. now my time is demonstrably worth X amount per hour and I need to offload this $15 an hour work to somebody else. Totally. And that's the easy, that's for me, that's proven to be the harder step for different personality characteristics I have and just how life works. I think, I think hiring is a hard thing to do in general. Oh, absolutely. I'm, well, relinquishing control is hard, especially when you're a perfectionist. If you really love what you're doing. I, I remember when I first hired my assistant years back, it was me not answering the phone and not answering every email. There's a lot of trepidation that comes with that. Even for Wait, me. so you weren't doing it and that's why you hired her? No, I was, but it, that, you know, that's a lot. Oh, you were trepidatious that. about not doing it. Oh, yeah. not doing it anymore. And so, yeah, even the smallest things. Totally. Yeah. Tough to <laughs> Luckily, I agree. I'm totally in that boat. Um, luckily, I do have the confidence that, when I'm in something, I'm in it 100%. But the second I let go a little bit, I'm usually very easy to get away with it. Now, that's very bad because I I am not trepidatious about leaving somebody to do my email. I am trepidatious about leaving somebody to do my emails, but I'm not trepidatious about leaving my emails just sit there and not getting replied to. At first, I'd be like loyal to it. So this is the, that's why I need to hire people. Obviously, right. You know, but, um, but yeah, once I like let my finger, once I let my foot off the gas a little bit of something, yeah. I can easily compartmentalize it and just let somebody else take it. 90% is good enough is I think is what you have to uh, right. accept, you know? Sure. Um, and yeah. Well, yeah. And, that, and that's what it's funny when you talk to people who the business kind of stalls and you know, they, they've just in the same place, even when they have staff and it's, it's partially true, but it's also a little bit of a cliche like, well, no one cares about your business as much as you do. And no one does, no one's going to do it like you do. And that's true, but it's like you said, you have to, you have to accept that 90% is good enough. You yeah. have to accept that for these tasks that aren't your, these super, super core things to the business, that right. them being done competently and well 
And I, yeah, I would say, I would say we're not as good as what we, what these things as we think. I, I agree. I agree. And I think this goes to a bigger problem with these expressions, these old wives tales and these like wisdom meme type quotes yeah. of like, you know, no one cares about the business like you do. It's like, it's true in a certain context and it's the exact opposite of true in another context. It's like big picture for sure. No one's going to care about revenue growth and keeping the cost down yeah. and all that stuff, but they are going to, if somebody is hired to check your emails, guaranteed they're going to reply to more emails than I am, you know? So it's like, for sure, like, that's the point, you know? So wow. it's like every expression, like I, I, I actually own a website. I'm not, I won't say the URL right now, but like I own a website. No, it's not up. It's just kind of for future. Okay. Right now, basically I have these ideas that aren't related to Spanish and I put them on the, uh, I put them aside because I'm really focused on the Spanish stuff right yeah, now. Sure. I don't want to like divert my attention because I really do believe the stuff I've said in this video so far about the focus and about once I divert my attention from something, it's very easy to completely lose sure. my attention on that thing. So I want to stick with Spanish for a while longer, but it's like, it's this, it's this theme I have. It would just be a simple website basically debunking every single, not every single, but almost every single old wives tale or expressions, like the one that really gets me. Everyone says it and they say it seriously. Like when you're talking about the history of the world, they're like, oh, history is written by the winners. Or sometimes they'll say, they say history is written by the winners. But that's like the most ridiculous thing. You don't need to be a historian to figure out that literally every person in this world writes the history of every event that occurs or they're exposed to in this world. If we just keep it to the countries in the events, every country writes their own version of the history. Like I get why you would see it, but only to mock yourself as somebody who says stuff like that. And it might've been more true back in like Roman times where we have, you know, you've got one surviving manuscript. So the For Sure, but I don't know if that's actually um, how things went, like when they, and maybe it's true, did they actually kill everybody to the last man or were there women and children? So like people say that, I and I would like to uh, research the history of this expression. I'd say, I'm guessing without having done any research myself, that it came into use years later when they're just talking about like, I say basically it's mostly Americans saying it because they, we view ourselves as the winners of most of the wars. And if we didn't win a war, we typically just don't talk about it that much. Right. And so like, and like, and we only know about our history. So our history is the history. Our history is the only history and it's written by the only winners in every event. So history is written by the one. It's just very easy for most Americans to accept. It just, it doesn't have any logic to it at all in modern day times. And I don't think it does in the past either. Okay. I feel like that should be used. I feel like that expression should only be used by people to mock how we misinterpret history. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. All right. Cool. So (laughs) a little sidebar there. No, yeah. I mean, that's what this this is. To me, it's like it's all the same stuff. Like my Spanish videos are all about using logic. Basically, you know, logic in the methods to memorize words, Mm -hmm. logic and understanding why the words are next to each other in a sentence, things like that. Yeah. It's all about just kind of like looking at the circumstances and trying to logic. You said in the last video you did with um, you and you and the the therapist. My therapist, yeah. Where um, it, which for anyone watching who hasn't seen that the therapist is Jordan in a way in a different outfit. He's Dr. Dude. Yeah, doctor dude, not Spanish dude. Yeah. But you talked about that you don't that there aren't really rules, there's patterns. Right. Language, which I think viewing things at as rules, it it can be this like not false positive, but it can it can make things more confusing. No, false positive, false negative. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like 
this isn't a great example because we're going to go into like some, it's not realistic, you know what I'm about to say, but the, the logic will still yeah. be there and get my point across. And maybe it's realistic. And I mess it up sometimes when I say, it, but it's like, we're taught rightly that like a red burner is hot. Yeah. Right. And conversely, just logic tells us the opposite is also true. They don't necessarily tell us this over and over again, but our logic gets there automatically. If it's not red, it's not hot. You know, no one's going to go stick their hand on a not red burner, you know, but typically we know black burners are safe to touch. Red burners are not. Um, the problem is, is when you take that as a rule, there's probably some really fun, beautiful burner like thing or burner looking things that are right out there that we're not going to touch because right. we have it in our head that round burners, whatever it is, you know, maybe it's a beautiful or maybe it's a beautiful ceramic burner that uh, is red without being hot. It's painted red, you know, or real, more, more realistic. Or, or the other side would be even more. I would say more realistically, because I've been in kitchens where they have those like high convection stovetops where you take a pan, it's a special pan, and it's a special burner, and it's not hot to the touch. Nothing is hot to the touch. You take the pan, you put it on the burner, and it's hot to cook. You take it off, okay. it's instantly not hot anymore. It has something to do with like the uh, travel of something, I don't remember. It, and this was old. I saw that like 20 years ago, probably, maybe more. Um, I was 16 when I saw that. So that, that's a, that was in a very professional high-end kitchen, a restaurant, you know, but, uh, but it, it doesn't, so bottom line is, it's like, so now some innocent person's gonna go put his hand on this thing, cause it's black, you can put your hand, or real realistically, I'm just gonna put the shopping bag down real quick. I do that all the time on my stove. You yeah. know, I'll put the shopping bag down on my stove, it's black, I don't, it's not hot, because I'm, I remembered a rule of thumb as a rule. <laughs> it's not gonna be hot. Yeah. All right. So it, 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 it's, it's a stupid example, but it's true. Like if they say like a word is a noun, well, no, it's not a noun. Words are just words. And then they serve a certain role and they serve the role as a noun in a sentence, but they serve as a verb in another sentence. But it's hard to think about the one that they didn't say, because typically they say a, like um, run is a verb, you know, and, and, and so this is another just very easy example. Typically yeah. this doesn't hurt us until the more complicated examples but like they'll say like run to run as a verb you know run as a verb and uh and then you get used to it because it's a little bit harder you to think a little bit harder to be like okay well i'm going for a run you know da, da, da. and whatever i mean like words are, they they it's a, that's a bad example but bottom line is, is yeah, they just they, they don't even say that they're rules necessarily is the problem they just present them as rules and we take them as rules. You know, I'm not even saying they're lying or, you know, yeah. these are rules when they're not. And what they are is they're specific contexts. You know, like when in a vacuum, when nothing else is occurring, this is a, is a verb. Right. You know? Well, yeah. I did a blog post, I don't know, it might have been a year ago or something, and it was talking about, I titled it Context is Everything. And it gives this quote at the outset that is supposedly by Voltaire. And it's something about to understand who rules over you, you have to look at those you can't criticize. It's something along those lines. So presented as Voltaire, you start to think about his history, what he stood for. Explain to me what you mean by that. Give me, what, what do you mean by that? What is that? Well, give, me, give me your synopsis of what that quote means. Well, I mean, again, it, it depends on the context. But you're, what you're getting at right now. All right, so I'm not good at like getting the imagery. One of these great thinkers of the Enlightenment. So you think about censorship, you think about all those things, but it actually ends up being a quote from some white supremacist. Mm. So then, knowing what the source is and knowing where it actually came from, mm. changes beautiful, totally, immediately. totally. So that's kind. Of, I agree. I, mean, that, I that agree. Context no context 
determines so many of the things for sure life and business for sure i mean it was the beginning of a seventh i guess i think it was that seven habits of a highly effective people did you read that book it's like the classic a classic i've heard about i've never actually basically it's the first time i heard about a paradigm shift there's a woman on a subway she's letting her kids run wild they're getting people's newspapers, just harassing everybody on the subway. This guy goes up to her and is like, how could you let your kids run around like this? It's obviously a longer story with more buildup. Sure. But then she's like, oh, I'm sorry, their father just died today. I didn't notice. Right. You know? And you're like, okay, cool. I didn't get the context. No, and it's interesting context. The more I look at the language, the more I see it's applicable to everything in life, which kind of makes sense. I know, a, 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 what is it, a, a carpenter always sees a nail and every science teacher says everything is science. And, yeah. But, but we use language to, to communicate about, to think and communicate about all those things. So I think it's fair to say that language is connected to everything almost in that way, at least. But well, like, I mean, it, you, you don't know how much of it goes to culture versus how much of it goes to, to language, but just the way that people in different er, areas and countries, I think since language is how it at least partially determines how we form thought. Totally. That, and what we think and what we think yeah exactly that's how we determine is how we're forming senses thoughts so when languages can be so the way they're structured can be so different yeah Yeah. like it would very easily affect i would say the hardest part about learning a language when you haven't learned a language before like so it's the first foreign language is just separating what is the language and what is reality? Because they're so intertwined when you only speak one, but when you speak two, like yeah. even just the fact that even just the fact that forward in time is to the right, basically on a timeline, and back in time is to the left, is a is a fact of our society, it's of our culture. Uh, Hebrew goes right to left. I don't know what they do for timelines, but letters go left to right in our country, in our language. Hebrew goes right to left. You know, so it's just like everything is, that right there is so, uh, affects so much of our thought, I assume. Just the right left difference, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, language, it's very hard to separate because you see two languages handle reality two different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, we, you and I get along. You know, you and I get along, we're friends. But in Spanish, in that context, we would say, you and I carry each other. Yeah. You know, but that sounds weird. But in English, we kind of say that, right? Like, oh, they carry on great. We kind of say that, you know? So it's like, it's the same idea and we're just expressing it all these different ways. But if we express it the same way, but a little different, it sounds weird. If we express it different, it sounds weird. You know, so it's like, it's really the reality is the same every time. You and I have this relationship. We like each other, things like that. In English, we say, we get along. You know, whatever that means. In Spanish, we say we carry each other. Yeah. Well. We carry each other well is what we would say. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Cool. And if, and, <laughs> and if, you, if I want to say, if, I, if this is, this is interesting, these are things that, are, that really got, got my attention in, in, in language to make me realize what I was talking about, like the separation of language and reality is like, if I say like, if I want to say like, I like you, like just as a friend yeah. in, in Spanish, like you just wouldn't say that the same way. You, so in Spanish, the best way to say that is like, you fall on me well. Interesting. You, you fall on me well. You fall on me well. Mekayas bien. And then when we when we get along, we say nos llevamos bien. Yeah. And and that's so it's kind of weird. It's like you fall on me when I like on you, and then we carry each other when we like yeah. each other. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. You know. That's no, cool. All right. Cool. So question number four. Uh, a couple of minutes. Give me a tip that every online business owner should know. A tip that every online business owner should know. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I have a good one for this. I don't know if this actually happened all in one day, all in like one sitting, but I was at, I feel like it all did, but no matter what it happened, two separate stories, maybe I'm combining it. Um, but I think it really did happen. One morning I was at some conference, like a, a Ryan Dice digital marketer thing. Yeah. It, might, it might've actually been him. It might not have been. And, um, and like the first speaker came on and basically you're at these things because they're running online businesses almost exclusively and they have something that you want, obviously. So like it's success in an online business. You don't want their money. You don't want their business, but you want what they have. And a lot of times we look at them, we want the characteristics they have, the habits they have, the knowledge they have, things like that, who they are as humans, you know? And, um, so like all of them kind of fit that bill generically before you kind of like or dislike somebody. And then, but one of them came up. And they're like, no matter what, the secrets of my success are one of the secrets to my successes. Every single morning I wake up and immediately before I, and you've heard, and we've all heard all this stuff before, okay? But it was just funny that it all happened the same day. Immediately I do everything I have to do, everything I don't like to do, you know, just get it all done. So the rest of the day, it's just mine. I own my day. If I work on a project, it's great. If I go golfing, it's great. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to wake up and get everything done. Next guy comes up and he's like, the secret to my success, one of the secrets to my success is the second I wake up until two o'clock in the afternoon, that's my time. That's yeah. my time. I am my priority, my personal time. And then at two o'clock, I do all my stuff and I get it done. And I like working in the, da, 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 da. And you're like, what do I do? You know, so it's like bottom line. And, and, it, and it makes me think of an article I read years ago that really made an impression on me. I don't know how long it's been. And I'm not a parent. I don't have any kids, but it like really made an impression on me where I like a lot of empathy for parents. But I think that it was just about parenting and that we all in entrepreneurship is kind of the same way in this way. And I've heard of businesses compared to kids. So we'll just go with it. But bottom line is there was a, a woman with her kid at a playground. She was sitting on a bench. He was on the monkey bars or whatever. And he, she like noticed that he was having trouble climbing up the stairs, I think it was, or the ladder or whatever. Yeah. And she like was thinking about, should I help him? Should I not help him? And as she gets up to go help him, some other lady, the mother of another kid, goes and helps him up the ladder. And so like she was like, oh, that's cool. I, maybe they made eye contact, maybe they didn't. A few minutes later, the other mother comes up to her sitting on the bench and is irate that she had to do all the work for her kid and that you da 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 And the point of this article was like that mom, and I totally empathize with this with almost every decision we make in life. It's like, she didn't know what the right thing was to do was. It was yeah. her kid, she was the mom. She didn't know whether to help or to not help was the best thing. Just like when I'm with my niece, I don't know whether to help her or not help her. I don't know what the best thing is. Um, but no, the point is, is that no matter what, 50% of the world basically, was going to think she was a crappy mom at that moment, yeah. no matter what she did. And, and probably she would think she's crappy too without anyone seeing it because if she helped her, she, she would have thought that she shouldn't have helped her and she, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, no matter what, somebody's going to, there's always going to be two people telling you the opposite things are the true mm-hmm. key to success. And no matter what you do, probably you, you're included, 50% of the world's going to hate you. No, or not hate you, just say you did the stupidest thing you could have yeah. done, you know? And, and, and just in life, and, and, and another thing is like when we're making these decisions, you know, that are hard decisions, if they're hard decisions, the harder a decision is, the more even the two sides are. Just like that's just how it works. Sure, and the more two even the sides are, the more guessing is. So you're just guessing anyway. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's hard. You, life is a series of decisions. Bottom line, that's all it is. It's just decision yeah. after decision after decision. Small, am I going to pee right now? Am I not going to pee right now? Am I going to invest my life in something? You know, whatever it is. And you just have to decide like what 
feels right to you slash not feels like in your heart because I don't believe in any feelings. I believe that all feelings are actually thoughts and I think that's backed up by the neurons and stuff like that. But what do you think is the best thing for you to do right now? Yeah. With, with your feelings and your thoughts and whatever that you want to call them, you know? Well, yeah, and that's and, all you can do. And you can't just listen to, if half of people are going to dislike what you're doing regardless, you can't just listen to people's feedback. Especially right. because depending on how cynical you are and depending on how much you like or dislike other people, right. all these people are people that you do not particularly respect their opinion. Right. It's just so, hard because there's always going to be, you do, it's hard to, it's easier to say that. The, the key sure. is to know that you're going to be in these situations where you're second guessing yourself and somebody's going to dislike you and you just go for it. I don't know if there's yeah. a way for someone like me, realistically, and, and there's other people, I'm not Buddha, I'm not Tony Robbins, I'm just me. You know, like I'm inferior spiritually and in control of my temper and things like that. Just realistically, in the near future, I don't see a world where I seriously, literally, don't care about what people think about me. Sure. Yeah. All I have totally to do is off. decide like, intellectually, like yeah. wrestling. You can't be, you, you, got, you got to be a good guy or a bad guy, dude. You can't just go out there and be, oh, oh I like you. I hate you. You can't just be, everyone will not like you. They won't care about you. You'll be nothing. You know, like to be something. Well, you, can't you at least got to wait for the story arc to be done before you switch. Before over. you turn. You Turns are a different situation. That's a dramatic wait. thing. You know, then you're going one way again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, and I do equate it to wrestling, obviously. I'm a huge wrestling fan. It's the thing that yeah. probably shaped me the most in life, I would say, as weird as that sounds to people. Um, and, I, and, 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 I, and I feel lucky that it sounds as weird as it does to people because that taught me exactly what we're talking about, actually, is that all through life since I was a little kid, like even the first sign I had that like, I don't see the world the way the, the world, the way the world looks at the world yeah. is like adults would always ask me like, you know, it's fake or other kids too. You know, and you know, it's fake. And I'd be like, and I always had like, it wasn't like I was a genius. I just had a logical response. It's like, yeah, but like, so are soap operas. And I would name different shows, Desperate Housewives, different things. And they just, they, not only would they disagree, they just like, obviously, they thought I was just like coming up with some desperate attempt to rationalize why I like wrestling. Like, okay, like, obviously, every show is different, but it's the same. They're thing. scripted. And emotionally, like, when I walk through the room, and somebody's watching General Hospital, okay? I'm like, when I first see it, you know, Luke and Laura, the Quartermains. I know the characters. When I first saw that crap, I was like, how could anybody watch this crap? It was, this, it was like so fake the way they acted and the kissing and the talking yeah. and the stabbing in the back and the f obviously fake hospital. And then Laura married Colton, I think his name was, and Luke came into a cave and I was in the living room with my mom that day, okay? And I was like, what's going on? And she told me a little bit of the backstory. I think I might've gotten the names wrong or something like that, but that's basically what happened. Luke had come back. Luke and Laura, this famous couple, Luke had come back after like five years being off the show to end, looking through a cave at his wife, Felicia, getting married to a new man. And I asked my mom what happened. Next thing I know is I'm a General Hospital fan. So I get it from both sides. It's like wrestling is so stupid if you don't watch it and you walk through a room, how can you watch this crap? Yeah. You know, but that's what I said about General Hospital. And, then, and I know I'm all those stupid reality shows, I'm just one sitting away, one segment away from getting addicted. Yeah, not, enough of an interest and context might be a little bit generous. Yeah. No, it's context. It is context. It's different flavors of context. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, awesome. All right, last I think you were right. One more thing about that. See, you say stuff and then you get me content. So it's like through the language thing, I came up with these little phrases. 
but they're only, I don't come up with catchphrases or phrases unless they really mean something when you say them. They, and they don't, it can't mean much explanation either, but they have to be catch, they only the catchy ones catch on. And in the end, I came up with like context is reality because without the context in a sentence, you know, like if I say, I just ate, yeah. you know, like, what does that mean? Well, in context, you know what I mean? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Bad example. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that like the opposite has to be true. Then if context is reality, reality is context and not context. And I'll add with confidence, no context with confidence in what you believe, but no context. That's delusion. The opposite of reality is delusion. The opposite of context is no yep. context. Reality is context, no context is delusion. Well, there's yeah. a whole subreddit. It's, I think it, it might be called no context. It, it's either no context or no context sentences. Mm -hmm. All it is is there'll be some thread to where there's something funny that's said in, in the context of the article that was posted and all that stuff, it's funny. But then just in isolation, it's the most insane thing you would have ever heard. Yeah, that's, I believe it. I believe it. If you, because, because even in normal sentences, you can look at some crazy stuff. There's a lot of ambiguity. But if yeah. you're looking for the craziest ones, like this example probably was, I can imagine how crazy it gets. Yeah. You know? All right, cool. Last question. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you've seen sold online or what's the craziest tactic you've seen to sell something online? Um... I mean, back in the day, I saw like train your dog to train your dog kids, like train your parrot to talk. I don't know. Like, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I did a, I'll just talk about myself. I did it before I did the Spanish thing. I did a pedal, which was a cool thing. Did I ever tell you about the pedal? Yeah. I never told you about the pedal. My no. friend, I, I don't play video games really, but like, I never play video games actually. When I was a kid, I played video games. Um, but my friends were playing this video game probably like eight to 10 years ago called Rock Band. Yeah. And it was like Guitar Hero, but it was yeah. the whole band. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's like karaoke, but with three instruments, drums, yeah. guitar, bass, and singing. And so like we chat, we became a band, the four of us. There were four of us and I was a singer. They were the other instruments. Yeah. But my friend Raymond, who was a college buddy of mine, um, it was, I was in Florida, the real estate, I was a real estate agent, my first gig out of college yeah. and real estate had just kind of like sunk, like the, the market was bad. So yeah. I was doing marketing, doing some websites for people, just like looking for a thing. Yeah. And, um, and so we play rock band and all the instruments are crappy plastic instruments, but it doesn't really matter except the drum pedal, the pedal on the drums. It did matter because you have this foot stomping on it. So it was defective. It broke very easily, you know, so the stock pedal from rock band broke very easily. And my friend Raymond had become an amazing drummer and he broke his. Raymond is like an engineer type dude. Okay. So my other friend Ian was like, Hey, did you hear one down the phone? Did you hear what Raymond did? His pedal broke. Did you hear what he did? I was like, no, he explained it to me. And I thought it just sounded really cool. I guess he had taken the, and now I know he, he basically just cracked open with a hammer or something and took the sensor out of the stock pedal that like made it electronically uh, trigger yeah. the thing when you step on it and just glued it or taped it or something. He went to the music store and bought a real heavy pedal, uh, a pearl drum pedal, okay. and just glued it on or taped it on. And so like when the pedal went near it, and he, I guess it was two parts. So he, he cut out two parts from the stock yeah, pedal, the two pieces it. that went together. And when it got close enough, you know, and I was like, I went over there and immediately I was like, oh, my, I was looking for something to do in life. And, uh, and I was like, oh my God, we should make this. I just had all the pictures right there. I was like, we'll call it rock pedal. I drew up the cut. I didn't, I drew up the verbal contract right there. Like I was like, yeah. I'll run the company. Cause I didn't have anything to do. He was working a real job. And I was like, I'll just do the whole thing at the beginning and run the whole thing. And then if it takes off, we'll do 50, 50 on the, on the profits. 
and we came up with a name and I had like a logo in my head. I went and got it made and it blew up. It was awesome. It was in like uh, Xbox Magazine and IGN.com. Really? Got, got reviews from all the people. We got like the Editor's Choice Award for like the Christmas edition one year and, and really? uh, Xbox Magazine. Yeah, it was cool. And that's how I got, that's how I got like, um, I learned how to make websites in real estate. And then I was making real estates to like bide my time until I got this. I had the confidence. So I've been making real estates and had been getting leads from real estate. So I knew how to do forms and stuff like that. I just knew that I could get a shopping cart. It wasn't as easy as it was now, but it wasn't hard. Yeah. Um, and, and Google AdWords was invented when I was doing real estate. So Google AdWords was there. I just started that night with like, I was like, I remember my mentality was I, I didn't have any money really. So I was like, I had four pedals in stock and a hundred dollars. I was like, I'll put a hundred dollars on Google AdWords. And, well, and it wasn't a competitive thing. And less back then too, I imagine. What's that? Like the, the price, the PPC, like the, the price yeah. had to have been a lot lower. And especially like even now it'd be super cheap for that because the keyword was rock band pedal or rock band drum pedal. That was the main. So, so long tailed. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, that's the thing about niche is like, so, and for me, a lot of my websites for Spanish comes because I've never tried to be the first listing for Spanish.com or, or, or for Spanish or learn Spanish. Yeah. Cause there's so many websites written. So, but I come up all the time for present tense, regular AR conjugation or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. You can make a lot of money on the long tail. Yeah. I'd say that's where all the money is made. Mostly from, from, from in, in markets like Spanish where there's going to be big boys playing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the like, only way you could possibly compete. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Awesome. Hey, man. Thanks again for being on here. My pleasure. So fun chatting. If anyone wants to reach out to you, if they're looking to work with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact? Um, go to my website, SpanishDude.com, and yeah. my email's on there. It's support at SpanishDude.com. Um, but yeah, you go to my website, SpanishDude.com, that'll take you everywhere. Okay. Or just Google Spanish Dude, and, and I'll come up. Okay. If you type in the Spanish Dude, you'll get me. Okay, sweet. Okay. All right. Take care, man. Thanks for being here for on The Few, The Proud, The Profitable, where we only talk to people who actually make money online. For everyone watching, thanks for being here, and we'll see you all next time. Hasta luego.